Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I have a fun show for you this week. We have some news that we're going to get to, lots of Tesla news this week, which is exciting for me as somebody that does a show about EVs, in more in particular Tesla. But then we also have an update from James and Howard about their Kona EVs and the recall that they're going through at the moment. And here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> They are vastly different from one another. Before we go too far into that, let's go ahead and jump into the news. GM is stopping Chevy Bolt production until LG can sort out the issues with their batteries, according to GM, which very much seems like my kids arguing back and forth. Well, it's his fault. I didn't do it. But if I'm I'm being a fair parent here, I would say that it kind of makes the most amount of sense. I don't know about the current bolts, but the original bolts that were being built they were largely built with LG parts, like the LG. It was basically an LG car with some Chevy badging on it. So it kind of makes sense that LG's got to sort some things out. The stoppage also comes after Chevy issued a recall for battery defects on the Bolt. And speaking of battery issues, Kona has had quite a bit of negative press in the last few months, but they are now selling the Kona EV SEL Starting at $35,225, that's $3,390 off here in the United States. The Kona Electric Limited will start now at $43,725. That's actually $500 more, but still not a bad deal. And I assume most, if not all, of the battery issues in the newer Konas have been fixed, he said with a question mark at the end of the sentence. Lucid Motors will have a preview event at their advanced manufacturing plant, AMP-1, in Arizona. Advanced manufacturing plant, AMP. Okay, anyway. Lucid will be showing off what they've been up to, as well as giving some test drives to those lucky lucky, lucky enough, lucky enough to attend. I've already requested an invite with Lucid Motors, so if you work for Lucid Motors or you know somebody that does, I would like an invite. I sent an email to the media folks at Lucid. Hopefully they hear me and allow me to attend. Mazda has finally come out with an EV. The Mazda MX-30 retails for 
$34,645. Now, about now, you should probably be asking yourself, you know, what's the range on this vehicle? Well, the range is 100 miles. That's right, 100 miles for $34,645. Now, I read an article that said that this is actually the way Mazda is doing it is more, it's more eco-friendly for the environment because 90% of the people can get everything they need done, go to work, run errands and all that good stuff under 100 miles. They don't need more than 100 miles range to do that. And if for some reason they do need to travel more than 100 miles, then they'll just take another vehicle to do that. Now, their reasoning on this is that the bigger models like the Model Y and the Mach-E, for instance, they have those bigger batteries that they're not really using if they're just running around town running errands. That's not necessary to have those bigger battery packs. And when you have those bigger battery packs, it makes the vehicle more heavy, which creates more pollution. And the reason why is because the vehicle's heavier with that extra battery pack and you're not really using that range unless you're going on long trips. If you're just doing little things around town, there's no need to have that extra weight. And then a bigger battery pack has more range, sure, but if you're not using all that range, then you have all of those materials that you have to use to create those battery cells and that they need to be mined and that has an environmental impact. And then also there's tire wear because um, as your tires degrade, as you drive around, that actually creates pollution. There's a couple of studies on it. And I'm pretty sure I did an episode on this, but it could have just been for patrons. So yeah, I can't, I can't really remember. Anyway, honestly, I think a hundred mile range vehicle is great. I think this makes a lot of sense. My question is, why does it cost $34,645? That is a ludicrous price for a vehicle with this range. The Kona EV SEL roughly the same price, has a range of 258 miles. So why, in the name of EVs, does this car cost nearly $35,000 with a 100-mile range? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I will not be purchasing one for that reason. StoreDot, an Israeli battery company, is claiming that they have replicated the 4680 battery cell, and they are claiming that the cell can be charged in 10 minutes. Tesla's version of the 4680 battery cell is rumored to be able to be charged in 15 minutes. And I'm going to tell you the truth here. I don't believe either. I'm very skeptical about both of those charge times. Stordot says that they've been working on this cell for three years. Now, if you've been paying attention to EV news and listening to this podcast, you would know that Tesla didn't announce the 4680 cell until 2020. So how could Stordot be working on a technology before Tesla even announced it? To this, I say it's very likely that they were working on something in a similar form factor, and they were just able to adapt it to the 4680 battery cell uh, size, or they had similar technology in the works that you know was already in the 4680 form factor. I'm sure that other researchers out there, not just Tesla, thought that 4680 was a good form factor for a battery cell. All right, our last story in this segment is an Apple rumor. I don't get to talk about the Apple rumors very often, or I choose not to, I guess. But there was a rumor that the unannounced Apple car could start production in 2024. They're looking at Toyota as a possible partner. I'm going to tell you right now, I do not believe this 
one little bit. When I first started doing this podcast five years ago, there was a lot of buzz around the Apple car and what Apple was up to. And they said at that time, production would start in 2020. It's 2021. No Apple car. I've been fooled too many times before. Don't believe the rumors. All right, let's jump into some Tesla news here. Some well-intentioned person left a little note on a charging Model 3. Now, this is a Model 3 that is charging outside. Someone walked up, wrote a little note, unplugged the Model 3 for for the Model 3 owner's safety, and then taped that note to this person's car. And the note read, I want to go back to that. They taped the note onto the person's car, not like a, a little sticky note or anything like that, like literal tape on the car. The note read, overcharging in this heat will blow up this battery. Signed, Concerned Citizen. And then they added, Google Tesla battery blow up. Now, on this particular day, it was 86 degrees outside. And if you've been following EVs for long enough, we know that the battery's not going to blow up. And this is largely because we have, you know, software to, and, and battery management systems to make sure that the vehicle doesn't get overcharged. And if this was actually the case, if you could, if you were charging your vehicle in a hot environment and it would, it could overcharge and just blow up, then there would be Teslas blowing up all over Phoenix because it is ridiculously hot here. And I have to assume that the people that live here actually, and own Teslas actually charge their vehicles. And I don't, I don't see these things blowing up. So it's our job as an EV community to educate people on this kind of stuff. And we shouldn't belittle them because that's not really necessary or kind for that matter. The article goes on to talk about some of the other um, falsehoods or uh, misunderstandings about EVs. Uh, the, the author of this article was in an Uber and the Uber driver was telling them that EV batteries only lasted about a hundred thousand miles and then they're thrown into a landfill. So it's really important that we educate people. And I do this all the time uh, with the people I work with uh, specifically because they have all sorts of things. Uh, they have all sorts of bad information, but it's really important that we educate people and, and be kind while we're doing it. And while we're at it, we should educate people not to put, tape a note onto someone's car. You don't take tape and you don't stick that on someone's vehicle, especially a vehicle as expensive as a Tesla. But actually, you know what? That doesn't even matter because everybody's vehicle is important to them. Just don't stick tape on people's cars. It's, it's not nice. Tesla had an all hands meeting this week and Sawyer Merritt, who's on Sawyer Merritt on Twitter, a lot of people leak information to him and he's a really good source. So he actually live tweeted this uh, all hands meeting. So on some level, he had access to it, whether Tesla gave him access or whether somebody else inside of Tesla gave him access. doesn't really matter. We found out some information. And I'm just going to start listing things off because none of this is like groundbreaking. All of it's just kind of some good information to know. So let's go ahead and start off with the first one. And if I'm being honest, the most disappointing one <laughs> Um we learned that the Cybertruck is going to be delayed until the end of 2022, not the beginning of 2022 or not mid 2022, the end of 2022, which means that mass production will begin sometime in 2023. I, I wrote a frowny face next to this news. This makes me so bummed. And if Tesla offered me a Model Y for the same price 
and because the Model Y has now jumped up into over $50,000. So if I got a Model Y for the same price with full self-driving for $7,000, I would probably jump on it. Next up, the Tesla Roadster is delayed until 2023, possibly, probably 2024 at this point. Full full self-driving version 10 will be out in two weeks. I mean, Elon always says two weeks, so I think that might be him making a little joke. Supercharger stations in Europe may open up to auto manufacturers, third-party auto auto manufacturers, uh, sometime next month. So that's exciting. And then Giga Berlin may get approval in October for them to start building uh, vehicles out of that factory. So that's pretty cool. And then Elon touched on the $25,000 Tesla that has yet to be named. It's not a Model 2. We don't know what the name is. That They're aiming for that to come out in 2023. And it may not have a steering wheel, which I'm going to go on record right now is to say that it will have a steering wheel. And if anybody's excited about um, it not having a steering wheel, it's going to have a steering wheel. Like we're not there yet with full self-driving. We're only at level two. So let's take a step back and realize where we are in, in terms of the technology. Only level two. All right, moving on to the rest of our news. Elon has said that Tesla will expedite the ramp of Tesla service centers, which I think is a big deal because, you know, Teslas don't really need a lot of maintenance. But when you don't have a service center near you, it's very inconvenient to try to get simple issues corrected, much less like mission critical repairs. So Tesla needs to ramp this up at a much higher rate than they are now and even like an order of magnitude more than they are now. A recent survey showed that the take rate for full self-driving is pretty low. And the take rate is how many people, when they buy a Tesla, do they buy the um, full self-driving option? Now, this survey is only of 17,000 Tesla buyers, so it's not a very big sample size. But according to the survey, the, the buy rate was 11%, which is fairly low. But it also costs $10,000. In some cases, it's, it's one-fifth the price of the vehicle. It's That's a ridiculous amount of money, especially if they really are around that 11 to 15% range. Then Tesla needs to lower that price because the market is, is telling them it's a ridiculously high price. Up next, Tesla is expanding their driver monitoring system. Tesla's finally using that little cabin-facing camera in the Model Ys and the Model 3s, and I think it's in the new Model Ss, to ensure that drivers are paying attention when they use autopilot or full self-driving. The camera is going to monitor you and chime at you if it doesn't think you're paying attention, and hopefully this works very well or it'll get very annoying very quickly. Now, I know a lot of you are very concerned about privacy, and as you should be, because a camera facing into your car can, uh, let's just say, there can be some very embarrassing uh, videos or, or pictures of you uploaded to Tesla. So that's not how this works. It doesn't save or transmit any data unless you enable data sharing. So I don't know if you have it enabled or, or disabled, but if you wanted to go and check, you go to um, settings, you go to controls, safety, security, and then data sharing. And that's how you check to see if it's on or off. But that update will be rolling out soon. 
And I mentioned last week that I was on Chit Chat Across the Pond with Allison Sheridan, and I'll put the link again in the show notes this this week as well. And we talked about Teslas hitting emergency vehicles, and then we also talked about are EV fires more dangerous than internal combustion engine fires or ICE vehicles. On Allison's show, I was able to really get into the details of this, and I'm not going to do that on this program because this is not kind of the format of this show. If you want that full discussion, then go listen to Chit Chat Across the Pond because it was a great discussion. Anyway, a Model 3 that was allegedly on autopilot hit a parked highway patrol cruiser in Florida. Now, the incident occurred when a Florida Highway Patrol officer was helping out some passengers of a disabled vehicle. The Tesla owner told Florida Highway Patrol that the vehicle was operating in autopilot mode. We don't know that this is the case. This information has not been confirmed. We only know what this gentleman is saying. So for those of you who don't know, the reason why this occurs or one of the reasons why uh, this occurs, like why Teslas keep hitting emergency vehicles. In a Tesla, you set how fast you'd like your vehicle to go in autopilot mode and or full self-driving. And then you also set how far you would like your vehicle to follow behind the vehicle that's in front of you. So you can say like five car lengths or whatever. And then I want to go at 60 miles an hour. So let's pretend that you're traveling on the freeway and the car in front of you slows down to 40 miles an hour. You're in the right lane, the car in front of you slows down to 40 miles an hour. Of course, your Tesla is going to slow down to 40 miles an hour. Now, what you don't see is that there's an accident up in front of you. So the vehicle in front of you turns into the left lane. Well, your car looks in front and doesn't see anything. It doesn't recognize those parked vehicles, apparently. And what happens is the, the Tesla then speeds up to try to get back to that 70 miles an hour. And that's when these vehicles are being hit. Now, why doesn't a Tesla just hit, like if it's doing autopilot on surface streets, why is it ain't hitting cars that are parked? And the reason why is because those cars are generally parked out of the lane. They're not parked in the lane. So if a vehicle is, um, if a vehicle runs out of gas, the person, and let's say we're on the freeway, the person that's driving that vehicle tries to get off the side of the road as much as possible because they don't want to get hit by another vehicle. Like it's not in their best interest to get, to get hit. So they get off the road and they're not blocking that lane. Does that make sense? Now, if for some reason a vehicle gets a flat tire and they are now blocking half of the lane because maybe they got four flat tires or whatever and they couldn't get off the side of the road, well, then a Tesla might hit them just like they hit an emergency vehicle. Because what happens with emergency vehicles is, and I go into this much more detail on Allison's show, is that we park the vehicles in a way that protects us and anybody operating on the, on the scene. So if you ever drive by an emergency incident, you'll notice that a fire truck will take one or two lanes and they'll kind of park at an angle. That's so the vehicle's hit the fire truck if they're not paying attention and they don't, you know, drive through our scene and kill a bunch of people. And the reason why we do that is because we have killed a bunch of people in the past uh, for this very reason. So hopefully that made sense to you. I mentioned before that the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration is investigating 11 of these incidents. And according to Joey Klinder at Tesla Roddy, two of the incidents were caused by intoxicated drivers. So those are probably going to get thrown out. One was caused by a driver with a suspended license. I don't know why 
that would have anything to do with Tesla's autopilot system failing. And then four of the incidents were due to incorrect autopilot use. So out of the seven, or excuse me, out of the 11, seven of those incidents, and I would argue six of those incidents, are suspect. Tesla says very clearly that when you're driving in autopilot mode, you're still responsible. You still need to be paying attention. So um, if you're intoxicated or you're using the service incorrectly, I, I can't see how they investigate those or they give those any sort of credence. Now, the driver that was driving with a suspended license, they still could have been paying attention. Just because they have a suspended license doesn't mean they're impaired or they're misusing the actual system. Like, to be clear, I don't think Tesla's system is perfect, and I think that it can make mistakes and it can cause accidents. I want to be 100% clear on that. I also realize that if you're the driver of the vehicle, you're ultimately responsible. So if you're not paying attention, then there's a really good chance that you're going to get in an accident, even if you're using full self-driving or autopilot. I will say my last shift that I worked, somebody wasn't paying attention. They dropped some McDonald's behind their seat. They took their eyes off the, the road and they hit another family. Now, fortunately, everybody was okay. But this kind of stuff happens all the time. The shift before that, one, we had a lady that was driving with her kids and one of the babies got out of their car seat, not babies, toddlers got out of her car seat. And as you know, any good mother would, she tried to get the baby back in the car seat, unfortunately, or the toddler, unfortunately, she took her eyes off the road and she drove into a canal, empty, no water. Everybody was fine. We transported just kind of as a precaution. But these kind of things happen all the time with, with human drivers that don't, that aren't using autopilot. So like it, it, the, the problem is probably 10% technology and 90% human. When you're using these driver assist technologies, you have to be paying attention. Now back in, in Q1 2021, I think I talked about this, but I can't remember. And it's worth bringing up again. Tesla released their safety report. And how they break this down is how many miles driven for one accident on autopilot without autopilot, but with the safety features activated and without autopilot and without the safety features activated. All right, I'm going to break these numbers down for you. For every 4.19 million miles driven with autopilot on, there's one accident. That's an insane number. There was a time when when this stat was every 1 million miles driven. Now it's every 4.19 million miles driven with autopilot on. Now, for every 2.05 million miles driven without autopilot, but with active safety features, there's one accident. So still pretty good. Now, if you're just in a Tesla and you don't have autopilot or any active safety features enabled, maybe it didn't come with your car or whatever, it's one accident for every 978,000 miles. So those are pretty good numbers for Tesla. Now, every other vehicle that's out there that's not a Tesla, it's one accident for every 484,000 miles. So Tesla is doing really well here. Now, the problem is, is this information is a little skewed because it's every car that's out there compared against Tesla. It's not comparing Volvos against Tesla, which are very safe vehicles, BMWs, you know, uh, Volkswagens are very safe vehicles and they, they all have great technology in them. It's not comparing brands or even specific cars. It's just comparing Tesla against everything else out there. So just keep that in mind as we, as we go through this. 
And now, now I kind of digressed a little bit, and I apologize about that. Let's go ahead and go back to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration and the investigation. They sent Tesla an 11-page letter full of questions, and I'll put the link to the letter in the show notes. I read the 11 pages. None of the questions were like so bizarre that it's worth bringing up here on the podcast. Starting to lose my voice here a little bit. But like I said, I'll put it in the show notes and you can look. But what I'm more interested in is Tesla's answers. Because I think Tesla's answers will be very interesting. Hopefully they make them public. But as it is now, it's just something we're going to keep our eye on. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. All right, everybody, that is it for news this week. Let's jump into our segment with James and Howard. Before we start, I should say that I recorded James and Howard separately. So you're going to hear Howard's experience first, and then we'll just roll right into James's experience. Hey, Howard, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy, it is good to talk with you again. I always like talking with you about EVs, so Kona time. Kona time. I'm, and it's, it's been so long since we've chatted the last time. Um, I wanted to have you on and I wanted to get an update. I'm going to get an update from you and I'm going to get an update from James about the, your Kona EV and the recall on the battery and the battery module. So, uh, you had emailed me a couple of weeks ago and give me an update. And I thought it'd be nice to share that with the audience. Absolutely. So where I'm at right now is 
I had, they did another inspection and this was uh, back about, it's now about a month and a half ago. And in that inspection, that was the inspection that said, we want to make sure that you're going to need your battery replaced. So at the end of that inspection, they said, yes, you need your battery replaced. The battery looks good, but it is one of the ones that's affected. So we're going to replace that battery. We confirmed it. And at that point, what they said to me was, we need to take your vehicle. And I said, okay, well, when does the battery come in? And they said, we don't know. So, and I kind of knew this because I had talked to Hyundai of America about the possible outcomes. And the dealer basically said, well, we're going to need you to sign a piece of paper that says you won't ever go above the 80% charge and you will park it outside and you won't do all the things that we're warning people about for like what would might potentially cause the battery to fail. And then when the battery comes in, you'll swap it out. So I had to sign an official waiver that said, if I do stupid things that they don't want me to do, that that's kind of on me. I didn't really want to do that. And I had said to them, what, like, okay, well, if you hold my car until the battery comes in, will you give me another, whether a, another EV, whether it's a Kona or the older Ionic or something else? And they said, no. And I said, okay, well, will you give me a gas card for $200 a month? with the loaner of an ICE vehicle because I will have to pay extra for gas during this time. And they also said no. So I decided that I was going to keep the EV. Since then, I've been in communication with the dealer. The parts department has been wonderfully transparent. Hats off to it's Burns Hyundai in New Jersey. They have been great. And the parts department has been letting me know this is where we're at. This is what I'm seeing. Call me next week because I might have an update on logistics. I actually talked to them yesterday and they said my battery is on a truck and should be here soon. And they're working out exactly when they can deliver that container to the dealer. And they need to have extra equipment to unload those batteries because the batteries are huge and extremely heavy. Um, and apparently they're getting about 20 of them in, in this batch. And my car is one of the ones that is destined for one of those batteries. So I would anticipate, uh, that in about within the next three weeks, I should probably have the battery in my car replaced and ready to go. The literally the parts manager there has been wonderful. He has been giving me updates, letting me know where stuff is, what he's expecting, what he can expect. It's it's pretty great. So I feel like I've got an actual end to this saga with the batteries will come in. They've told me that, that when the batteries are actually at the dealer, they are going to attempt to get us in and out within a week of all of us. Like they're going to prioritize those because they don't want the batteries sitting on their lot for weeks and months. They want to get everything turned around relatively quickly. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be nice to not have to keep checking the website. Like, when can I get my car scheduled and stuff like that? Like, I think that'll be a nice thing to be able to uh, to work through. Yeah, you definitely want to put an like uh, write the end at the end of this book that you've been going through for the last roughly year, right? Absolutely. It, it's fair to say that if this had been like an airbag recall, I would have been out of my mind because – it's a safety issue. Now, arguably, a battery catching on fire is also a safety issue. It's like the safety of your home and property and the overall car itself. Knowing the math, I didn't – I in my heart, I did not believe that my car was going to light on fire. I've been nice to the car. I don't do a lot of rapid charging. And because of that, I never felt like the rapid charging, which I think would abuse the battery more so – I didn't feel like I was going to be in a lot of danger. 
but it's going to be nice to have it just done and kind of back to normal and being able to go to a hundred percent, uh, knowing that if I wanted to do a longer drive, that extra 20% that I start with for the drive range I get, as opposed to not getting it fully. So I'm looking forward to that ending point. And now when you drop it off to the dealer, did they give you an idea of how long it would take for them to specifically fix your car? I know they want to get you everybody in within the next week or two, but what about you specifically? What they had said to me in terms of expectations were that the appointment that I should plan to be without the car for about two days, because what they're going to do is they're going to take out the battery. Like, yes, they could do a swap relatively quickly, but what they want to do is they want to charge it up and then test it and then like see where it's at to make sure that it's okay. So I have a feeling that they're going to, if I was doing it, I would probably charge it to 50%. And run some tests, then charge it to 80% and then run some tests and then charge it to 100% and run some tests. That's not quick. They don't have a level three high speed charger. So to do that, to get it to 50% is just four hours of runtime to get it another to 80% is another three, four hours and all another, like basically to get it all the way from a empty battery to a full battery. Um, they said they're not going to drop me off with 1% of battery. Like <laughs> I'll be able to get home. Um, So I would anticipate that I'll be without it for about two days and that'll feel, that'll be okay. Like I'll take a loaner for two days. That'll be fine. Excellent. Well, Howard, thank you very much for coming on and sharing that. I know that uh, a lot of people are out there watching this Hyundai Kona uh, recall because some of them are involved of it and involved in it. I don't know where all of a sudden I had a stroke, but some of the people are involved in it. And then others are just kind of following it like we all do with the EV news. So I appreciate you giving us a heads up as to where we're at on this. You got it. Happy to help. Hi, James. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you today? Not too bad on yourself. I can't complain. I've been visiting with you for most of the morning, so it's been a very (laughs) pleasant morning. Um, I wanted to have you back on because... Uh, we got a little uh, update from Howard on his Kona EV and that's already the audience has already listened to that. But uh, now I want him to listen to your story, which is probably like the yang to Howard's ying. So let's, let's hear about your story with your Kona EV battery recall. So I guess uh, starting off, uh, this is going back into April that they asked us to put our, uh, charge rate down to 80% and they would compensate us. Here in Canada, it was a $250 Visa gift card. And it's like, well, I don't have a choice anyways, if I want to put it down to 80% or not. Um, and so went and did that. It had to be looked at by the service to make sure that I did it. I still have yet to see the $250 gift card. Um, when I talked to them mid-July, they said they had an issue with not ordering enough, which I'm not sure how you don't order enough when you know exactly how many vehicles you have. But so it is now, what, call it mid to late August now. And I've been told maybe mid-September I'll actually be offered that $250 gift card. Not that it matters, but it's you tell me it's for an inconvenience, and now you're inconveniencing me with the inconvenience. Um, but on top of that, when I initially did the 80%, I was told by the dealership that uh, 
we'd probably be looking at about June to get the battery replaced. Again, it's mid to late August, and uh, we uh, I've been told now by the dealership, actually, I was told by Hyundai Canada, after calling them three times, I finally got an answer of a shipment of batteries is going to the dealership, but we don't know who they're for. And when I talk to the dealership, all they know is, yes, we are getting a shipment of batteries. When they get here, I guess each battery is labeled who it's for. Oh, well, that should be easy to tell you if they... I should point out before you go on, you you bought your, your car from a dealer and they were very open to learning, but they didn't know much about EVs and you were very big in that process. And then your service with that dealer just kind of went downhill. And then you went to another dealer that you liked, but Hyundai said, no, no, you got to go back to the dealer you bought it from to get this battery replaced. So you're really not even dealing with people that you necessarily want to deal with at this point. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I know a few people that have bought it and maybe live five, 600 kilometers or in, I know in the States, some places are in a completely different state. So if you have to go back to the dealership, you bought it from, it's just more inconvenience on top of inconvenience, really. Um, yeah. So they're not making it easy um, for anybody, which I don't quite understand why. Um, so with that, it's do I even continue dealing with them? Like, I really like that Ionic 5, but... Do I really like it enough to keep dealing with Hyundai in Canada? Because going with the States, it sounds like Hyundai America actually talks and communicates and actually quite helpful. But with our, I think it's 5,000, 6,000 Konas sold here in Canada. Apparently, it's hard to track how to keep track of all this. And Well, you're a very large country. I don't know if you knew that. But you're huge. So maybe that's what they're, maybe that maybe people have moved and they didn't have addresses for them and it's very hard. And then if you don't answer your phone, you know, what, what, how can you blame Hyundai for not knowing these things? It's true. It's true. I feel like this is really falls on your shoulders, James. It's true. They, they, they magically can email me and send me all sorts of info telling me to trade my Kona in for a smaller gas vehicle, the Hyundai Venue, but they cannot find me for a battery or a gift card. It's, I, 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 do, I do understand the woes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, if, I'm, if I can recap here, it sounds like uh, you will get your battery before you'll get your, your gift card, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Hopefully. Talking to the dealership, they did say I am one of the first few. So okay. I may be in the first load, which should be coming between beginning and end of September. Now, this is this is going back because James has been uh, a supporter of this podcast since the very beginning, even before uh, Patreon. And we've been communicating for, I don't know, pretty close to five years, right? Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Um, I've, I, he's kept me updated along the way and I'm, if I'm, my memory serves me right, you were the first person to buy a Hyundai Kona EV from that dealership. Is that right? 
I was the first person, but I think not the first one to collect their vehicle. Because they did okay. have other demo vehicles that they were trying to sell me. They were limited. So I have, it's called preferred. So it's kind of the lower version. The only thing I miss out on is sunroof, leather seats, I guess cooled seats. But for anybody that doesn't know, I'm in Canada. We don't have heat, except for this year, apparently. But um, so sunroof, leather seats, and a bigger infotainment screen. That was okay. pretty much what I was missing out on. I didn't feel that was worth the, I think, 20 grand more they wanted for those. So I waited, grabbed the color I wanted, package I wanted, and it was ordered. So I put the order in in March. I collected it in September. Yeah, I remember it was supposed to be like June. Yeah. Right? So the even then, like not a lot of love on the Hyundai side. <laughs> it was almost winter, right? Yeah, we got a couple. Snow? We got a couple of months of uh, non-snow weather to drive around. Um, it's very interesting um, about how little communication either Hyundai Canada receives from anywhere or the dealers want to give anybody. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. But I do appreciate your. Um, I just had a thought actually. Can I can I ask you a question that's totally unrelated to this? Because I was asked by a um, by Bruce, a listener to the show. Do you, do you have a all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive or a front-wheel drive for your Kona? I have the worst version of an electric vehicle called front-wheel drive. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know that was the worst version. Yeah, just how does that do in the snow? Because you don't run snow tires, you no, run. Um, I've only been stuck once, uh, and that was actually the very first uh, snowfall, and that's. But I. We'll probably be getting snow tires this year just because we're planning on maybe taking a longer trip this year. Um, mm-hmm. But it's in it's actually better in the winter than in the summer, I'd say. Most people would disagree with me, but I go with I drive to the conditions. I don't have a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But in the summer, it wants to... You hit the accelerator and it just wants to spin the tires. If it's a little bit wet out, it wants to spin the tires. So that's why at least rear wheel drive, they don't spin as much because all the weight goes to the back, actually giving them traction. Where front wheel drive, all the weight is coming off the front tires, making them have even less traction. Okay. That's it's good to know because usually in a front wheel drive, you know, ice vehicle, that's you get a little bit better in the snow. Yeah, but that's with the motor sitting right on top of the front wheels, where most of the weight on an electric is kind of we're pretty evenly split, fifty fifty type deal. So that's a that's a good insight. Thank you very much. All right, I should have asked that to Howard when I when you had him. I might email him and then I'll update everybody. All right. Well, thank you very much, James, for coming on and giving us this update. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This time, I will not wish you a good day. (laughs) Do not have a good day. (laughs) You have a great, mediocre day. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, everybody. That is our show this week. I want to thank James and Howard for giving us an update. 
And uh, both of those gentlemen did double duty because James recorded some extra content with me. And of course, Howard recorded the Mach-E review that you heard last week. All of this takes time and it's time away from their families when they record with me. So I want to thank James and Howard so much, like sincerely thank them for taking time away from their family and recording the silly little podcast with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And also thank you for both both of you for recording two different segments. I really appreciate both of you. Now, if you want to email me, you can do so Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. And then that's it. I hope everybody has a great week and I will talk to you next Friday. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. And I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.